Another episode of Breaking Mayberry, playing the banjo while Rome burns. It's the show about trying to figure out why everything's on fire by watching classic television, specifically the Andy Griffith Show. And I am one of your hosts on this tour of Mayberry. My name is Marty Schneider. I'm Dan Ludwig. And uh, we're heading into the end of season one of the Andy Griffith Show, which is the end of season one for us as well. And we've gotten a lot of support from everybody along the way. I'm just Again, big thank yous to everybody who has listened to us. Uh, but especially, especially big thank you to Twitter user at Ingrid underscore Blythe. Ingrid is the first patron of our Patreon. She owns us body and soul now. Yeah, no, she can make us do whatever we want. The idea was basically for patrons to, like, vote on stuff that they want to make us watch. But since Ingrid's the only one, she can make us do whatever. Ingrid can make us watch whatever TV she wants. May she be merciful. That's what she gets for giving us money. Yay! Other uh, shout-out I want to give. Uh, we've been getting a lot of uh, reviews, finally, on uh, on iTunes. I think the reviews came out before, but iTunes is slow about putting this stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> the best fucking thing! I love the review is is specifically the best thing about this podcast is that it taught me that ron howard used to be a child star yeah. which is <laughs> some cellar door shit if you ever need to kill a person over 50 just show them those or those letters in that order and and they will just backflip into oncoming traffic it's just it's yeah so that's the review it's in its entirety that was uh from itunes user Fugitive Rudo fought. I don't. I don't understand. It's the most perfect first review I could possibly imagine. If it's serious, uh, it's I think one it of is. the great. It, if it's serious, awesome. If it's tongue in cheek, it's some of the greatest comedy writing I've ever seen. It, it rules. Fugitive Rudo fought. You are our favorite. <laughs> Thank you for that review. Uh, also, also, I, you're welcome, Ron Howard. We're teaching people that you were young once. You didn't just come out of the womb bald and wearing a ball cap. Respond to my fucking DMs. Uh, Fugitive Rudo fought, by the way. I went ahead and took a look at what else they reviewed. It is just three McElroy podcasts and us. So we are in high company. <laughs> Holy shit. We've made it. So yeah, we're going full steam into the end of the of season one of the Andy Griffith Show. Uh, I think we're going to do one more episode after this. And then we're going to take a short break for a couple of weeks. Uh, and then come back for season two. But we'll still have some bonus content and still some extra goodies for patrons and stuff like that. We we need to recharge before the next onslaught of Fife. Uh, it's just, we need a break. It's a coming. <laughs> but for right now, we have a couple of episodes we want to do. We're going to start off with season one, episode 31, The Guitar Player Returns. Written by Charles Stewart and Jack Ellison. Airs May 15th, 1961. And... Directed by guy who keeps all of his action figures mint condition in the box, Bob Sweeney. Whimsical candy store owner with a dark secret, Bob Sweeney. And uh, this is a sequel episode, an official sequel, not an unofficial sequel that we just screamed into <laughs> existence like Manhunt 2. Um, no, this one is real. The guitar player is back. Yeah, so episode three, the guitar player, episode three of the Andy Griffith Show, episode two for us. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to go back and listen to that, it's uh, episode two, Bobby Fleet and his band with a beat. We were introduced to Jim Lindsay, who is returning in this episode. So here's the one sentence summary from Wikipedia. Jim Lindsay returns to Mayberry after making it big in show business, but it turns out he's out of work and flat broke. Just really giving away the twist. I mean, we, we can't really throw a lot of stones there because we scream the big reveal whenever we get upset, but come on, Wikipedia. This this one telegraphs it pretty early on. Like, yeah. You, you can tell. If you've watched television before, you know what's going on here. This is also, we should point out, the last episode with Eleanor Donahue slash Ellie Walker. And there is a fantastic fan theory about why she's gone. 
Now, remember, Dan and I are a little bit in love with Eleanor Donahue, so we're pretty sad about this. The light has gone out of my life. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever love again. The episode starts in the pharmacy. Uh, they're just, you know, hanging out at the malt shop portion of the pharmacy, which I'm still weirded out by that just their pharmacy has a malt shop in it. They think it's more like a general store. The town I grew up in had, like, a malt shop at a sporting goods store. Really? Yeah. For, I, I, that, that does sound kind of charming. Could you, like, buy a, just a bow and arrow and also get a soda? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was exactly what you went in there. That sounds for. better than a pharmacy. I guess that's true. Yeah. But, yeah, so Andy runs in, like, uh, the fat kid from Stand By Me. Just like, guys, guys, you won't believe who's coming into town. You know what? Hold up, hold up. Back up. I want to talk a little bit more about the pharmacy slash malt shop thing. Because now that I think about it, it's one of these super shitty things where they basically just treat Ellie like that's her job. Her job is to scoop ice cream. When she's a goddamn (laughs) pharmacist, she went to school, she has a degree, like she's a medical professional. Yeah, no, like, just, oh yeah, can I- She's not fucking pop Tate. Top off this root beer float. Yeah, no, I'll just use my fucking four years of college to scoop you some vanilla, you small-town asshole. Alright, so so Andy runs in. She's gotta be simmering with resentment. Oh, this entire is thing. so much hatred. Like, Which is going to contribute to her eventual uh, her eventual departure. Right, it? right. I guess it's better than whenever they refer to her actually having a degree as Lady Druggist. Lady Druggist. Like, it's a fucking novelty. Yeah. Yeah, she's gotta be. She, the... I think it's it's a good bit of flavor. She's scooping vanilla ice cream for Barney Fife's dumbass, who's yeah. just hanging out in her place of business all the time. She's resentful because she went to four years of college, which didn't cost a shitload back then, but still, she still, worked her ass off. It was off. effort. Yeah, she was supposed to be off in the big city, not here in backwoods, helping out her uncle, serving, again, a chinless moron. The uncle who we've seen once, we've yeah. seen exactly once this entire time. Andy runs in and he he informs Barney that Jim Lindsay's coming back to town. And Barney gets super, like, psyched about this. Yeah, and Ellie is like, who is Jim Lindsay? And Barney does this whole big thing of like, you don't know who Jim Lindsay is? Yeah, they get mad at her for not knowing this. Yeah, she wasn't in that episode. Yeah. And, like, don't you listen to local music? Have you never heard of Bobby Fleet and his band with a beat? It was the only band that exists <laughs> in Mayberry. It's it's Bobby Fleet and his band with a beat, and then that, like, band of teenagers that Andy has kidnapped and makes play, <laughs> play bluegrass every once in a while. That's the only music in Mayberry. A band stopped in Mayberry for 15 minutes, and Mayberry erected, like, a plaque of, like, Bobby Fleet and his band with a beat called us ugly here. (laughs) Keep in mind, they're all like so, have like a massive hard on for this band. They mention them like every fifth episode. He rolled in. He said they were all ugly as shit. (laughs) He just roasted that entire town. He said that if there was a beauty contest in this town, no one would win. And And actually that happened. Yes. And then it happened. That was foreshadowing. Bobby Fleet is less a mean person and more just... A prognosticator. Yeah, a prophet. He just made an accurate prediction. <laughs> <laughs> no, somebody did win, and it was it was charming and adorable. Yeah, but it was not for beauty reasons. Yeah, it was sure. for inner beauty. Sure. But So they're they're freaking out that Bobby Fleet is coming back, and uh, they, they explain, Oh, Jim Lindsay is uh, the main attraction. He's this fantastic guitar player, and we're friends. To which Andy says, oh yeah, no, we're friends. I used to arrest him all the time, and then we'd hang out at the jail together. Which is a weird thing to hear said out loud. That's, I mean, that's Andy's definition of a friend, right? Like, look, he's a grown man, he's like a man in his 40s, he's a single dad, it's probably hard for him to meet new people. So he just, like, arrests people to break the ice. He just, like, walks up to you and be like, hey, I'm Andy, do you want to hang out? Uh, not really. Click. <laughs> you sure? Uh, but yeah, that it does come back to a thing that's going to come back is Jim Lindsay used to play guitar in front of Bill, like on the sidewalk, to make money to live with, and the store owners would call the cops on on Jim, and then Andy would roll up, uh, smile, arrest him. They'd give him dinner, so it was cool. Uh, but they, yeah, they would arrest him for vagrancy like every fucking day. 
And then in the last episode, they got him a job with Bobby Fleet and his band with a beat, and off he went. Previously on The Andy Griffith Show. Yeah. Good, good recap, Dan. Yeah. Worked it in organically until you just sort of, you know, called it out. You have a note here. Before we, like, skip to the next scene. So they're they're all excited for Jim to come back. And Barney turns to Ellie right before they leave, and he's like, I can't believe you never heard of Jim Lindsay. You, at least you may have heard of his hit record, Rock and Roll Rosie from Raleigh. And then fucking <laughs> laugh track, track explodes. The laugh track. It's not It's not a like heavy laugh track, but it's like a slight, like somebody's supposed to laugh at that. I don't, is that a joke? Is it, They were they like, oh fuck alliteration. Rock and Roll Rosie from Raleigh. <laughs> oh, Maybe. Three R's, three R's. Four, 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 four R's, R's. Four R's. <laughs> <laughs> They've just yeah. lost their shit. Yeah. And, that, and that that's the like punchline of the scene and they fade away. Yeah. So they the writing is not great this episode. No. They're phoning it in pretty hard. No. And uh speaking of phoning it in, the mayor. The mayor. The mayor's in our next scene and they're in the barber shop. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh where it's just the mayor is yet again getting a haircut. That's all this man does. <laughs> he, he just like he sits in his office and it's just quiet because he's it's Mayberry and there's nothing of importance ever happening and he just gets very bored and he just goes, "I'm going to go get a haircut." And then he just like waddles out over to Floyd I imagine that he's just got a ruler that he holds up to his chin, like, Well, the whiskers have grown a couple of millimeters. That's a good excuse. Time to go to get the hairs. <laughs> just like, again, just like as you tuba picture... tuba noises just everywhere he goes. <laughs> he doesn't... He, none of his limbs move. He just moves by, like, tilting the weight of his body until, like, he, until he is eventually at Floyd. He's basically the fat controller from Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> And the the mayor the mayor gets real excited that uh, Jim Lindsay's coming back to town because he's so successful and he didn't forget where he came from. Yeah, uh, and then he suggests like, oh, we should have a big event and my daughter can sing. He's always trying to get his family members to sing it. Shit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really weird. Yeah. Uh, and so Floyd's very excited about this. Barney's very excited about this. They begin to plan this like a. Um, intricate reception they're gonna have like a parade and stuff for him barney's gonna intercept jim at the entrance to the town which i guess there's only one entrance to fucking mayberry um it's uh, it's just a one-way street yeah one-way street cul-de-sac like come on back now yeah uh uh but he's gonna intercept him at the entrance to the town and then give him a, a police escort into town with sirens blaring and then there's going to be a band playing at the hotel, and they'll give him a big hero's welcome, and it'll be it'll be great. And Don Knotts, uh, as someone is placed in charge of this, and immediately gets a throbbing authority boner. That's that's every episode with him. Yeah, let's use that to fade into the next episode. Fade into jail where Barney is waving around his throbbing authority boner. See, he's getting ready to clean the the cruiser. He wants it to be nice and shiny for this. He's being finicky, and he's uh, he, he he's cleaning up uh, all the stuff. And uh, uh, Andy says, "You're gonna bust your little corpuscles if you keep running around like this." Which ugh. that's gross. It made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Barney proceeds to call the hotel to make sure that the reception is in order, uh, and starts just screaming about everything uh the banner is not going to be held up to his standards he's afraid that one of the guys holding the banner has too weak of arms there's a joke that he's upset about how many trumpets will be there because one of the guys was had a falling out a bunch of jokes that are just like not quite jokes they're just barney yelling yeah the laugh track goes again weird there's no jokes in this fucking episode it's just Barney says a thing, laugh track. Yeah, I mean that—that's most of this. It's basically just the funny. The humor is Barney's existence, I guess, because he's just. I mean, the joke here is really just Barney's excited about something. Yeah, he's looking for his police whistle, right? Because he wants to like be blowing his whistle as he goes. Now Andy gives him shit like, "Why do you need the whistle for? You can just blow into a jug." Meanwhile, outside, Jim Lindsay drives in. 
and he's smoking. He's wearing a checkered shirt. He's in a, like a really nice convertible. Uh, the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki tells me exactly what kind of car it is. Uh, it is a Mercedes Benz 190 SL. It's a nice freaking car. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I'm not gonna get like to up the Mayberry Wiki's ass for like being really picky on this because in a couple of scenes I'm gonna tell you exactly what guitar Jim Lindsay's playing. So yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. So he comes out, beautiful car, ugly jacket, this weird checkered big bopper number. He and looks like a, he looks like he's trying to sell you that car. <laughs> exactly. They're they're back in the jail. They're arguing about the whistle, and suddenly there's the strumming of a guitar. Uh, once again, Jim Lindsay is the greatest guitar player on earth because he can make one acoustic guitar sound like two electric <laughs> guitars. Just amazing. <laughs> what? Oh, I, I, I should point out, he's, they, they do a quick shower, they're like, oh, hey, Jim! And, and they show Jim Lindsay. Jim looks like absolute shit. Yeah. He looks so bad. He, he looks like he's taking a really hard shit, but enjoying it. Like, <laughs> like he's, his, like, his neck muscles are, 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 are like, like, exploding out, and he's, like, gritting his teeth. But his eyes are screaming with joy. It's it's very it's a very weird face that's on that actor because you'll notice that like every time they do a close up or whatever, I don't think those are his hands playing guitar. What? So he's basically doing the actor's doing a face like this is what guitar playing looks like the guitar player face. I assumed he could actually play the guitar because as I'm going to yell about, I fucking hate this actor. He sucks. The I was assuming that the only reason they like they used him was he was good looking and could play the guitar and had kind of a nice accent. They they based the episode around his ability to deliver dramatic monologues and he's very very bad at it. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe he knows how to play guitar a little, but like all the close-ups and everything, which I will say do seem to match the notes that are playing in the music, not him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, think those are his hands, is what I'm getting at there. He, he is so... Also, remember, this guy went on to be Roscoe P. Coltrane on the Dukes of Hazard. That's where everyone knows him from. Did he? Yes. Wow. In this scene, he looks like the horse baby from Eraserhead. <laughs> he looks... He's so sweaty and puffy. It's very upsetting. So, uh, so they, they have a little, like, fun jam session. Like, most of this episode is just Jim playing guitar. Yeah, it's it's just Jim playing guitar and Andy just running up with the guitar and being like, Me too! I'm associated with this talent! Yeah. 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 So they, they, they're they playing do. together, and that's it. Uh, and then they Andy says, Well, you ruined all of Barney's plans. He was going to give you a big parade. Uh, and so they go outside and... Barney's determined to give him that parade, even if it's just a few, like, blocks down. Yeah, he's so, and Andy is like, okay, so it's literally, like, it's 30 seconds by car. You want to do a parade, and Barney's like, well, we planned on a parade, didn't we? And he's, like, so fussy and dogmatic, and it's not at all about Jim. Like, he could give a shit about Jim. It's literally just he has a little bit of authority, and he wants to be able to tell people what to do and be shiny. Yeah, so they do start the parade. Barney does get to yell at somebody, get out of the way, just like some person riding by on their bike. Yeah. Uh, they have the parade. There's like a big welcome home for Jim. They they do a welcome home, Jim, and they say like, we're so happy that you're back and that you're prosperous and successful, which is kind of a weird, like they don't, I I, I, I know this isn't like a, a, a shitty thing specific to the Andy Griffith show, but it's a weird thing to celebrate because they're not like, you did a super good thing, man. But they're, they're, they're not even like, you're a really talented musician. Cause they're, they're, they're just sort of like, Hey man, you're fucking rich now. Hell yes. I gotta say though, like this is one of the few times that I've ever really related to the Andy Griffith show. Like I actually do kind of like feel for Jim a little bit. Because the idea of going back to your hometown when you moved away, you know, because we come from towns where no one ever leaves, moving away, going to the big city, and having everybody think that you're a successful person out making it in a big city, and then coming back and, like, being awkward and trying to play that up when it's you know, may or may not be true, I relate to that. I think most people who, like, grew up in a small town and ever came back, like, for a lot of people, every Thanksgiving is this. Yeah. You know, so 
I actually, that that's real shit. I understand that. I feel for Jim's situation there. He sucks and he's an idiot, but... I, I fucking hate Jim. Um, I, I guess, well, alright, so they... The, the the town really pours their heart out and, and are like, we're so happy that you're you're famous and big and you haven't forgotten us. And Jim says, no, I haven't. Uh, I'm fame. I'm still famous and currently very important and rich. And I haven't forgotten any of you. And I want to treat you guys just like the friends we were uh, before I was rich and famous. Yeah, just like when I was poor. Remember when I was poor? Act like when I was poor. But the thing, the thing that like pisses me off about this scene is like the town is like you didn't, you didn't forget us when you were rich, as evidenced by you being here. But he showed up the second he stopped being rich, so he very much did forget them, <laughs> and he only remembered them when he stopped being rich. And in fact, Bobby Fleet later on in the episode calls that out. He says, calls it exactly what it is. He. Flat out tells Andy he came here because he was the. This is the only town that would still give him a free meal. Yeah. 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 No. And Andy takes that in stride. He seems to ignore that, but it, he should have been like insulted about it. Yeah. No. That like, but it, it is. It's it's cruel. Like Jim is a fucking asshole. Yeah. It's a he, shitty thing to do. This poor like super super emotionally fragile town of Mayberry. That's like ego is just a, a blade of grass in the wind. Is like. Like, yay, you remembered us! And he's just like, I'm going to agree to that, it's a lie, and then I'm going to rob you all blind. <laughs> uh, alright, so the next scene, right, it's back at Andy's house, I think, and... Guess what's happening? Of course, we're having a bit... I actually really like this scene a bit, because uh, I like the song Midnight Special. Andy Griffith, to his credit, is singing the balls out of Midnight Special. It's a fun scene, they're having a lot of fun... Jim is playing, it looks like an, like an early 60s Fender Jazzmaster, which is my favorite guitar in the world. So I'm going to give a point to this episode for that, in general. Um, it sure does look like a guitar. Yeah. But they're they're singing, they're doing Midnight Special. Uh, Andy's like ad-libbing a little bit about the in, in it, uh, making lines about Mayberry and Barney Fife and singing. It's a fun scene. Barney like is there scene. in a little bow tie. Ellie is there. Ampy is there. Everyone's standing around watching. One thing I will say, everyone has to be so fucking sick of hearing Andy Griffith's singing voice because it is, because they don't watch TV. That's, They're just like, let's just their parties, right? Anyway, here's Wonderwall. Yeah. Like, it, it just, that's like the town's form of entertainment. Like, all right, so what are we doing on a Friday night? Well, you want to go to the sheriff's house and watch him just play one of the songs he knows? They get into a conversation about how rich Jim is. Um, they're talking about his uh, suit. He says, oh, the, this is custom tailored. You know what they the guys in my band call it? A set of threads to which everyone loses their minds. Yeah. They, call they, it a set of threads. They call a suit a, th- a set of threads. You hear that, Barney? A set of threads. I heard it, Andy. A set of threads. Set of threads. <laughs> they they go ape shit for the phrase set of threads. I would say a running gag, but it's not a gag. You know, it just runs. <laughs> you know what it is? Is the Andy Griffith show discovered some cool guy terminology and then decided to impart that on the audience. Like, hey, people who watch the Andy Griffith show... Guess what the youngins are saying? Yeah, yeah. Set of threads. Yeah, it's it's basically the 1960 version of Bay <laughs> <and> on Fleet. <laughs> it's it's the equivalent of the show saying Yas Queen. But there's a knock at the door, and while Jim is in the middle of telling us that he left Bobby Fleet and his band with a beat and tried to set off on his own, there's a knock at the door, and B opens it, and there's a man who's looking for Jim. Jim goes to the door, and it's a guy from the Mid-Mountain Finance Company to repossess Jim's car. He's behind on payments, and Jim's in there. You just give me a few more days. Just, just me... a few more days. He kind of talks like Jodie Foster. No, also, really effective loan recollector. Yeah, yeah. Like, this guy's like a fucking blade runner. Like, he'll track you to the middle of nowhere, to the ex- the specific house you're at in the middle of the night, and take your fucking car. I mean, it's a Mercedes-Benz, man. They <laughs> they shill out for it. And you're right, he definitely does, like... He's like Tommy Lee Jones and the Fugitive. I just need a few more hours! I don't care! 
Uh, so yeah, he takes Jim's car, then they go back into the living room where everyone is just set a threat, set a threat, set yeah, a threat. They're repeat. Threat. They're just they're the line is they call it a set of threads. You hear that, Andy? Set of threads. Like they're just like threat, threat, set of threads, set of threads. <laughs> like, it's just like the fucking seagulls in Finding Nemo. It's dude. exactly like that. <laughs> oh Christ, it's so weird. But, yeah, no, like, and up until before this big reveal, Jim has been a fucking dick. Yeah, He's just showed up and bragged about how rich he is. He's like, I own three guitars, and I got that car, and, oh, look at my nice suits, and, oh, you know, I can get, I'm getting offers everywhere. Everyone wants to hear me play. It's never, like, addressed. Jim doesn't say, I just wanted to make you all proud of me. I didn't want to admit that I had failed. Because that would have been, like, a real human moment right there. Yeah. Like, I I would feel from there. Oh, it should be mentioned, Jim left Bobby Fleet's band. He, he reveals this during the party, where they're like, so how is it with Bobby Fleet? And he's like, oh, I left. I realized that I was the only reason people were coming to shows. And, I, and I'm thinking, why should I be making Bobby Fleet all those big bucks? So his cover story is dick. I mean, I think that's what really happened. Like, that's his, that's definitely what happened because bobby fleet even says like that he bombed yeah like so that that that's not a cover that's what actually happened except he's pretending like he was successful and he failed well what it actually was was he he didn't ask he didn't decide that he was going to depart he asked to this is reveal we're we're spoiling fuck it wikipedia beat us to spoiling it he asked bobby fleet to have his name on the band and bobby fleet fucking fired him because he was like, he was just annoying the shit That's out of Bobby right. Fleet. That's right. That's what it was. And and Jim Lindsay was like, I decided that I was gonna strike out on my own. Jim is a like intolerable character, and it's it's annoying because he's so close to being a decent character. Yeah, and just like they take the wrong tact with him every single time. He, he the actor is really bad because he's just sort of like all of his scenes are like. He's doing the an impassioned plea to to aliens in the Twilight Zone. Like he's doing the same level of intensity for every single scene. Right. And the character fucking sucks. Yeah. So here's an example of the character fucking sucking. Uh, <laughs> the next scene uh, is Jim at the pharmacy, kind of in an argument with Ellie, where he's just like, "Uh, all right." He's buying some stuff. He's okay, Ellie. Well, uh, I'll just put it on my tab, and I'll get it back later. And before she can be like, well, listen, he pieces out. He yeah. fails. His his demeanor is like someone who's on coke. Like, he's got, like, that sort of, like, pushiness of someone of, who, who is just out of their fucking brains on coke. Where he's just, like, a mile a fucking minute and constantly, like, taking, like, yeah, you overstepping. Can't, he can't stay in any one place for too long because otherwise someone's going to ask some questions and he has to bail. Yeah. They start to ask where his car went, but that... That gets ignored as well. He he pieces out. So Ellie, remember, Ellie doesn't know Jim at all. Yeah. Brings up these concerns with Andy. Who has who has rolled in to ask Jim about his car. Right, right, right. And uh, he says, like, it's a way being serviced. Sure, yeah. He, his excuse is like, it's a foreign job or whatever. They don't have the parts for in, in Mayberry. He's And so. he's shitty about it, too, because he's like, they don't have the parts for my super awesome foreign-made car in this bitch town. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Ellie brings up her concerns to Andy. Uh, says, hey, Jim's been buying a lot of stuff and not paying for it. She's like, I'm in I'm in for a lot of fucking money with this guy. Are you sure you vouch for him? And and he's like, yeah, no, Jim's fucking great. He'll, he'll, he's rich as shit. And she's like, if he's so rich, why does he never pay me? Like, Ever. why is yeah. it everything on credit? And he's like, oh, yeah, that is kind of weird. It's the last episode... And this is the only time that Andy's ever just fucking listened to, to Ellie. Yeah. And he's just like, all right, I'll look into it. Well, he doesn't say he'll look into it. He's like, all right, well, it's probably fine, but I'm going to go walk away from you with a concerned look on my face. Yeah, that's basically what he does. Yeah. So they go to the barber shop, and everyone's kind of changed their tune. So who's in the barber shop? It's Andy, Barney, Floyd, and uh, Jason. Jason from yeah. the hotel. Yeah. 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 Jason, the show's favorite youth pastor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of revealed that Floyd, remember Floyd also has money troubles, it, uh, says the same thing that Ellie said, where he's just like, 
he's never paid for a haircut. Which also, how long has he been he's in this town? Been in there like a week, and he's gotten multiple haircuts. So it's not just like he's like he's do he's doing the bare necessities. Jim's living it up. He gets the witch hazel every time. Every fucking time. Yeah. And uh, and and Jason then says like in between doing kickflips on his skateboard. And flipping the chair around and yeah. and asking, let's rap about real things. Jim, <laughs> Jason is not an adult name. He says, like, oh, yeah, he's not paying his bill, and he's just kind of ignoring them. He's not even acknowledging that they're there. He's being kind of a dick. Andy does a little police work and just asks, like, hey, has he gotten any mail? Right? Because Jim's cover story is that he's getting so many offers, he's just waiting for the right one. Uh, but turns out he hasn't gotten any mail, so no one's asking for him. And Barney even comes in, and Barney fell for it. God's perfect rube, Barney Fife, the most conable man in America. Yeah, Barney comes in, and he basically says, well, I know Jim's Jim's good for it. He's going to get a big royalty check any day now. And they ask, who told you that? And he goes, Jim, when he borrowed $10 from me. <laughs> Which wait? What's the what's the conversion rate on that? How oh, much I didn't fucking look it up. It's it's it, it, it's a good junk figure, like twenty five bucks. Oh, okay, that's uh, that could be worse. Holy shit! Okay, nope, nope. I, I looked it up. I looked it up. Ten dollars in nineteen sixty one is eighty one dollars in two thousand eighteen. Okay, yeah, no, that's actually pretty solid. That's, that's that's horse shit. That's a hit. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. So to their credit. To their credit. Mayberry figures it out pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, they they um, they put all the pieces together and like, oh, shit. Because, I mean, Mayberry has been conned like 15 fucking times at this point. Yeah. They're like, oh, shit, it's in episode four. Ah, damn it. Andy then immediately makes a move of calling in Bobby Fleet. Yeah. Hard cut to the jail where Andy is sitting with a man who is not... Bobby Fleet. It is, a, it is our second Bobby Fleet of three, according to the Mayberry Wiki. We're going to get a third fleet. What happened to the original guy? I loved what? him. He was he ruled. And the new Bobby Fleet. All right, different actor, much younger, like, different personality. Yeah, no, he doesn't roast shit. Yeah. He doesn't call a single person ugly. Multiple people walk walk through his hemisphere. He doesn't point out any of their physical defects. At all! I mean, the original one was basically Rodney Dangerfield. What are we doing here? Why? Why are you bringing back Bobby? Like, alright, I get it. The actor probably, like, died or was too expensive or some shit. But get the new guy to do Bobby Fleet. Yeah, at least have him do the same bit. He just plays it completely straight. Yeah, he's just like, ah, yes, hello, I'm Bobby Fleet. I have a band, and I respect the people around me. Hello, Sheriff, who is a authority figure that... Deserves my respect and admiration. Yeah, he... Here's exposition. Yeah, so he explains the thing that you explained earlier, which is that they got into a fight. Jim wanted to be on the on the fucking cover or whatever. On the marquee. On the marquee, yeah. Uh, and he says that it's the only town left that'll be give him a free meal. Next shot is Jim's hotel room where he is packing up to leave town. He's trying to bail. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm used to playing these one-night stands. Can't stay in one place for too long. And and Andy says, okay, so I saw Bobby Fleet. And Jim's like, oh. I well, Like, Jim keeps the facade going yeah. way too much. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, I wonder why he's around. Probably looking for me so he can, he can, get, he, he, he can get me to come back. And Andy's like, I talked to him too. And he's like, okay, so I guess the... The jig is up, and Andy's like, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Come on, man. Keep up. Jim is, Jim's explanation is like, well, I thought you'd all be ashamed of me if, uh, if I came back penniless. And Andy says, well, you underestimated your friends. Which does have a little less, uh, little less weight when his friends had him arrested all the fucking time. Including right now. Yes. So the next thing that happens is Andy arrests Jim. For actual causes this time. He he arrests him. He, he says, like, I'm arresting you for not paying your hotel bill. And he says, I'm leaving my watch. It's worth more than the room. And Andy says, well, I'm arresting you for not leaving town fast enough. His explanation doesn't be like, hey, man, you conned my girlfriend out of a shitload of money. My best friend is in the hole for 80 bucks now. Like Floyd, who no one cares about, but also him. He's joining the class action. He, he, he's like, you're not paying for your hotel room. Yes, I am. Well, I forgot all the other things. 
<laughs> so he drags Jim back to jail and puts him in the cell where basically I'm just going to move forward here. They do they do the same shtick they did when Jim was originally hired where they're just negotiating from the jail cell. But also now, now it's the same as the fucking Ben episode a little while ago where Jim is basically sold into indentured servitude. Cause it turns out he owes Bobby Fleet a shitload of money too. Yeah, no, Bobby Fleet is charging him for the practices he missed. Uh, which are, yeah, it is all, it is indentured servitude. They, they put Jim in the jail cell and they say, Hey Jim, have you learned anything? And he's like, no, <laughs> like I haven't learned shit. Fuck all you. And, and, and Bobby Fleet is like, all right, well, you're extremely disrespectful, but I'm going to pay your bail. And also I'm going to pay all of your debts in town. And also I'm giving you a raise, which Jim is like, Oh, thanks everybody. Like all right, his, his, his penance is to him just go like, oh, sh- oh, everything worked out for me? Thanks, guys. And Andy just says, like, uh, he, the, the specific phrase is, act like you got some smarts now. And then, phew, Jim is off. Which is, I'm going to call Andy saying, get the fuck out of my town. No, <laughs> fucking, it is, like, Jim gets, Jim does so much heinous bullshit and gets punished. Zero. Not even, None he gets whatsoever. rewarded. He gets a raise. Like, everyone immediately forgives him. It's some prodigal son bullshit. Uh, so, this is the stinger. Everyone's playing together, and guess what happens? Guess what Barney Fife brings out? The fucking goddamn piece of shit. Fucking harmonica. harmonica. I, I really thought we were in the clear. I was like, okay, no more harmonica. They clearly figured out that that bit doesn't work. And Barney comes out and be like, how about I... Like, they're all playing together like they're playing guitar and bobby fleet is like doing the drums on his leg with a newspaper which all right yeah whatever uh, does, does bobby fleet sing like i they think call he's him the, the drummer band? i guess they established that bobby no, no, fleet is the drummer no no he's because they've got a drummer already he's playing i think bobby fleet's like the band leader kind of like 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 count bait but count bass he played i don't know what bobby fleet does in his band <laughs> he hangs out. I, I, he's got to be the singer, right? Yeah. But we don't ever see him sing. So, but they do the harmonica joke. That's it. Roll on snare drum. Dan, before we get into the ratings, can you explain the fan theory about Ellie and the guitar player? Because I don't understand it. So, this is the last episode of, of Ellie. Yeah. Uh, she's gone after this. Right. Uh, and uh, the weird thing is, no one ever mentions Ellie ever again for the remainder of the show. It is straight up like the character just was, was just vanished. Pretty unceremoniously. Yeah. yeah, gone. No, like, goodbye, Ellie. No one ever, like, for the remainder of the entire show ever says, like, hey, remember when you had that girlfriend? Yeah, she's gone. <sighs> gone. Uh, so the explanation, this is the commonly held uh, theory for what happened to Ellie. In character. In character. I'll explain what happened to Eleanor Donahue, but you can explain yeah. in character. What happened to Ellie is that she fed up with her small town existence and a town that didn't understand her, ran off with Jim Lindsay just as he was leaving town, and proceeded to, to leave with, with Bobby Fleet and his band with a beat. And Mayberry, being such a small town with such conservative values, was so deeply ashamed of this that they all unanimously swore to never speak of Eleanor ever again. I guess, except, like, Ellie and Jim only interact once. And Jim cons her. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It was, I think, I propose the counter theory, which is, she ran off with Bobby Fleet. (laughs) (laughs) She, Bobby Fleet was like, oh, also, fuck you guys, and, like, and bounce. Because, I mean, even, like, with the, the weird new, like, super respectful Bobby Fleet, still Bobby goddamn Fleet. Okay, I'm gonna... I'm going to propose a counter-counter theory, Mm -hmm. which is that Ellie ran off with the farm girl from Ellie Saves a Female. They left together and Thumb Louise this shit. Yeah, no, they got the fuck out. Because, honestly, Ellie has got to be so fucking... Like, the... Ellie... Eleanor Donahue's performance this entire episode is just kind of like, I guess I'm here. And it kind... It's for reasons that you'll touch on. But it really transmits that Ellie is just like... I guess I'm fucking here. I'm so exhausted by this entire fucking town. I'm just eager to leave. 
Because, you know, she rolled in, and she was supposed to just come and help her sick uncle run the pharmacy. Her sick uncle fucking vanishes, and suddenly she's running a small business in a town where she only kind of likes one person. Right. Vaguely enjoys the company of Andy Griffith. Vaguely. So, the actual story is that Eleanor Donahue basically was just burnt out. Uh, She had been on television since she was about 14 years old. She was on Father Knows Best, and then she went straight from that show to the Andy Griffith show, essentially. She'd literally grown up on TV. She'd also just had a child and was going through a divorce. Uh, Jesus! Basically, she was just like, I'm tired of this, I need a break. Not only that, but I think everyone kind of agreed that the dynamic between her and Andy wasn't working. There was no chemistry between the characters. Yeah, and you get the feeling, like, reading the, the cross interviews between Andy Griffith and, like, show producers and Eleanor Donahue, like, it kind of felt like they were trying to figure out how to get rid of her, and then she came in and asked to leave anyway. Yeah. It was like, she asked out of her, out of her contract, and they were like, okay. Yeah, no, she mentioned in uh, in an interview, she said, uh, like, I asked out, and I my feelings were really hurt by how quickly they said yes. Yeah. The sundown on the character of, of Ellie and sundown on Eleanor Donahue, Hands down the best fucking actor on this show. 100%. Yeah. So, Eleanor Donahue, I think, I don't feel like she had trouble finding work. She does kind of continue. I feel like she just kind of pops up whenever she feels like it. I refuse to believe that Eleanor Donahue has trouble finding work, essentially. I think she just, like, kind of faded. Like, Rick Moranis just kind of left and was like, I don't really miss it that much. And then she kind of pops up here and there in small parts throughout in the next couple of hold on to that feeling rather than accepting the brutal reality that just acting is horrible for women and it's just a fucking meat grinder oh yeah no she she definitely got spit out Um, yeah emmy nominated she was the most like acclaimed actor on that show too yeah no i'm gonna fucking miss her i know that there's another i think there's at least two more andy love interests ah christ yeah no i mean she really like I'm I'm going to miss her moving forward because she acted the fucking hell out of each and every scene that she was in. Another thing I heard um, was that part of the reason why like she didn't really get to do stuff was that as the show becomes more and more about Andy and Barney, a lot of her best comedic lines were rewritten and given to Barney Fife. Like Don Knotts got some some lines that should have gone to Eleanor Donahue. Which, by the way, is another connection to Hot Fuzz. <laughs> they did the exact same thing on a draft of Hot Fuzz. Originally, uh, si- uh, Simon Pegg's character was supposed to have a romantic lead. There was supposed to be a-, a love interest. And when they got rid of that character, they gave half of the lines to uh, Nick Frost's character. Oh, shit. Yeah. And it shows when you watch that movie. Yeah, because there is some like weird, like vaguely romantic overtones. I mean, to be honest, like we're going to see two more romantic love interests. The show isn't about Andy and girlfriend. The show is about Andy and Barney. Yeah. So anything that's not that is dumb. As, like, the show is at its most meaningful when it's between Andy and this, like, horrible dipshit that he has chained his life to. Yeah. So, alright. So, ratings for this episode. Uh, I hate Jim Lindsay, and I hate the actor that plays Jim Lindsay, and... It bases the entire thing around his weird, coked-out, sweaty, shithead ass. So, I'm gonna say... Three. No, not even... Two. Because none of... There's no jokes. It's never funny. I'm gonna give it a four. uh, Simply because I like the midnight special scene. Uh, We get an appearance by the mayor that I enjoy. And, uh... That's about it. Like The mayor. That's about it. So, yeah, uh, Andy Meter, you're going two. I'm going to go four. FIFO Meter. So, do we count? Do we count Jim's shittiness here? I'm going to. I'm going to say. I'm going to say three on the FIFO Meter because Jim is so fucking shitty I mean, and gets no punishment whatsoever, no retribution. So, the FIFO Meter is a judgment on the Andy Griffith show's moral compass, right? I guess. I think, and and the moral compass is like it acknowledges that Jim is an asshole. But for a really weird reason, Jim goes absolutely 100% unpunished. Jim goes negative punished. Yeah, everything uh, works out for Jim. So, I think it does qualify for the FIFO meter in that, like, it sort of endorses being a huge, sketchy asshole. So, but also, it's not sexist or racist or anything. Yeah, like it's, it's 
It's, it's mild. two. It's two. Fine. Yeah. Fine. We're going out on a whimper, folks. <laughs> I'm Clint. And I'm Jared. And we're the hosts of the podcast, Alcoholywood. Your source for inebriation, which you're not listening to right now, because this is just a promo for a weekly podcast on all kinds of movies. New, old, good, bad. Yeah, especially bad. Plus, we invent a cocktail and a drinking game inspired by each film. And sometimes we make jokes. Not this time, but sometimes. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher and check out the whole shebang at alcohollywood.com. Hey everyone, it's me, Marty Schneider from Breaking Mayberry. I know you're already listening to me on this podcast, but I wanted to tell you about my brand new podcast, Why Won't You Hire Me? Why Won't You Hire Me is a podcast about job hunting and career building and the frustrations and successes therein. Every episode, we hear stories from the job hunting front as told by people who are currently doing it right now. Hosted by me, your underemployed employment expert. So if you're tired of uploading a resume and then being asked to type in the same information that's on that resume on the very next page, Why Won't You Hire Me is the podcast for you. That's Why Won't You Hire Me, available now on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas! Greetings, holiday shoppers. I'm Joseph Wade, and I host a podcast called Christmas Creeps. My band of merry mischief makers and I dissect holiday movies and specials all year round in search of the true meaning of Christmas. So whether you can't resist the urge to watch Home Alone in June, or you worship at the altar of mutant killer snowmen, Christmas Creeps is the podcast for the Grinch in all of us. Check us out at christmascreeps.com or wherever you download podcasts. It's kind of awesome that uh, we're just going into just the an ep- shitty episodes. We're ending with shitty, yeah, shitty you, episodes. You said we're going out with a whimper a few minutes ago, and yeah, we are. We, we've hinted at a couple of times that there is a weird synchronization between uh, between the, 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 the three final The first three episodes. and the last three, yeah. Yeah, in that uh, the first episode opens with a, a story about Opie being a, being a little shithead. Aunt B being introduced in the familial unit. Second uh, second episode, Manhunt! And then the episode after that being Bobby Fleet and his band with a beat. Right. This so one's slightly different order, but you know. We go, Manhunt 2! And then we get the guitar player returns, and then we get this episode. Episode 32, Bringing Up Opie, written by Jack Ellenson and Star- Charles Stewart, May 22nd, 1961, directed, directed by... Guy who just got laid off at the plant, and if you could just spot him a few bucks just this once, he'd never forget it. He'd be appreciated so much. I mean, you know how hard it's been since his wife left him and the kids. Bob Sweeney. That was written by Twitter user at Trenchelton. Please send us your own Bob Sweeney's. Pseudonym for the devil, Bob Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so there we go. That's uh, bringing up Opie. Here's the one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Andy and Aunt B forbid Opie from visiting the courthouse after school. So with nothing to do, Opie wanders away from home. So this is an entire episode dedicated to interesting things almost happening. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> they... <sighs> so the basic concept of this uh, is that Aunt B says that... Are we going to do it like C by C in order because... I, we I, can just talk about all right. What fucking yeah, we we don't need to recap the entire thing. Okay, so essentially, essentially, uh, the whole issue starts when Opie comes to the jailhouse after school, like he normally does. He sees Otis in there. He's like, "Hey, Otis, looks like you got a snootful again." You know, and he keeps using terms like "beat the rap" and uh, like a bunch of like gangster shit. Gangster Wait, shit. I like. I like that not only was snootful a term for being drunk, but it was a dirty term for being drunk. You're right, that you right. should say a lot, snootful. <laughs> like, hey, hey, I got a snootful right now, and people would be like, oh, my word! And like, why would snootful be a term for drinking alcohol? Snootful definitely refers to cocaine, right? Snoot, like yeah. snoot, like a nose, like snoot. Yeah, like you don't, you don't put alcohol in your nose, Dan. Yeah. Well, maybe they did back then. We've never actually seen anyone in Mayberry drink. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I like snootful sounds like the Sesame Street uh, term they'd use instead of drunk. Like, hey, 
Hey, Big Bird, why is my dad coming home and being really mean? Well, your dad has something called a snootful. <laughs> Some fucking wonder shows and shit. Yeah. So, so Ambie <laughs> comes in and tells Andy that she got a call from Opie's principal today. Turns out, Opie took a pair of handcuffs and handcuffed another little boy to the flagpole. Because they were playing cops and robbers, so he wanted to add a little bit of realism to it. Yeah. Just a flair for the dramatic Ronnie Howard has always had. Yeah. And Andy goes like, well, how the fuck did you get handcuffs? That's super not okay, because you had to have gotten them from here. And I know I didn't give you, uh, give you handcuffs, because those are police ordinance. Those are federal property, and if we lost track of those, we'd be in a shitload of trouble. So it must have been, and then turns, and Barney is just, like, sitting in a chair, like, not looking at either of them. Please remember that, like, five minutes ago, Barney was teaching Opie how to, like, quick draw from his gun. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. so... The, the seeds that were planted three episodes ago came back in this. Yeah, so Barney has been showing Opie how to, how to quick draw. Andy has been having Opie come into the jail cell so that he can tell him stories. In right. this case, he was telling the story of uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, he did one of his, like, southernisms. Not his best. Actually, a weird thing, his version of Beauty and the Beast... The beast is like a weird maggot creature. Like the beast, like the beast is always portrayed as like, oh, he's ugly, but he's like a bear, like humanoid. Yeah, he was like the beast looked up from his his pit with his sunken, sallow eyes coming out of the glistening pustules, and it like he made his beast fucking disgusting. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, he, he actually it was my favorite uh, Andy Griffith bedtime story. Oh, really? All yeah. right. But yeah, that's what they've been having him for. It. Barney has been showing Aunt, uh, Opie the most efficient way to gun a man down in the street. It is revealed that Barney has been giving Opie handcuffs to fuck with. On the condition that Opie not use them on a living person. Which... Does that mean, like, cats are okay? Yeah, like, what... What what does that mean? What does that precondition mean? I what, need to see the fine print on this one. What did Opie tell Barney he was going to use the handcuffs for? He Was he like... I want to see what happens when you put a handcuff on a table leg. And Barney was like, all right. <laughs> he was like, they were the rusty ones that we don't use anymore. And Andy should have been like, okay, so if the state inspector came and we were missing a pair of old handcuffs, we would have been in some shit. Hang on, remember, Andy doesn't give a fuck about the state inspector. That is we know true. That. He has we broken know that. the state inspector. We know that for a fact. And also, Barney may have just given a child tetanus. <laughs> Yeah, rusty ass handcuffs. Like there was, you know, Opie lost the, that key. You know they oh, had definitely. to saw those handcuffs definitely. off that boy. So like that kid was just out in the hot, hot North Carolina sun all day, just baking alive, and it was one hundred percent Barney's fault. It was like the exact inverse of the flagpole scene from A Christmas Story. The just, polar opposite, if you will. Just this kid baking alive as Opie just stands up and be like, I don't understand what I've done wrong. <laughs> so, Aunt B makes the case that maybe Opie shouldn't be hanging around the jail anymore. Because there's constantly a drunk lunatic in the jail cell and a sober lunatic waving a gun around. And also, it's a jail. Right. It's not a really appropriate place for a small child. Which is a good point. She makes a good argument. Also, I feel like it's not that healthy for a... Because basically, it's established. Opie comes to the jail as soon as he gets out of school every single day. Every day. And then he just hangs out there until he goes home with his dad. That doesn't sound super healthy. That's a few hours. That's a lot of the time to spend... like. It's great for a kid to love his dad, but also you gotta be, like, off doing your own shit so that you can develop a sense of self. Okay, look, that's one thing we don't have to worry about with, with Opie. Opie runs that town. That is true! But what t- what time does he find to, to beat other kids senseless and also run an organized crime ring when he's just hanging out at the jail all day? I mean, the town's not that big, right? He gets around pretty easy. Uh, okay, so Aunt B convinces Andy to ban Opie from the jail. Yeah. Uh, and Andy goes and he tells Opie this, and no one's happy about it. Uh, the next 
the next day, it's Barney and Andy. I, this joke did make me laugh a little bit. It's Barney and Andy sitting around going, I guess we are bad influences. Yep, makes sense. You can't have, uh, can't have a kid around here. We're bad influences. And then the reveal is that Otis is over in the jail. It's like, I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm the worst influence. And then they're like, no. <laughs> which, Maybe? Which I feel I like. I don't know. Well, honestly, Barney is the worst influence. Because yeah, he is teaching it, like Opie the best way to kill a man. So so it's Andy and and. Barney and Otis all lamenting the loss of this child. To circle back to the first scene, when Aunt B walks in on Barney teaching Opie the quick draw, her line is, what's next on the agenda? Strangling? Which is such a fucking good line. Like, fucking Aunt B has all the fucking, like, body blows of this entire show. She is... Just un unyielding. With the loss of Eleanor Donahue, Aunt B steps up to be the next best character. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah no, really does. It... So where... there's, there's there's some stupid scenes in between here where it's just like Opie being bored uh, at home. The the so Aunt B's big plan for Opie uh, post jail is that he's gonna start a garden. He's gonna learn. He's to gonna garden? start growing spinach. She did not come up with anything. Like she had, she did not come up with a plan to fill that hole. Kids like fucking Opie's age, especially ones as savage as Opie, need a fucking curriculum. Like, yeah, and yeah. she's just like, "Do you want to do the thing I like to do? You probably do. So y- yeah, we're doing that. Um, end of thought. Goodbye. I'm Aunt B." <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, she, she's basically just out. like, she, she basically like, go and plant these seeds so you can see how, how nature works. Here's the thing. Planting, like, a whole row of spinach takes, what, an hour? At most? And then, the agenda for the remainder- She doesn't show him how to fucking do that? No! And then the remainder is, watch spinach grow! Yeah. Which is akin to watching paint dry. So, Aunt B's fucking plan- for how to occupy Opie is to basically just watch the growing of plants. She half-assed this so hard. So, so of course Opie wanders off. Yeah, of course Opie wanders off. And and the entire time this is happening, uh, without the ability to uh, to to entertain Opie, Andy is losing his fucking mind. He's bored out of it because he can't tell Opie stories. Barney wants to be able to teach someone the quick draw. This is the this is the first interesting thing that almost happens. Yeah. So he tries to teach Otis the quick draw, to which Otis is like, why do I want to know the quick draw? And this Barney... scene is so good. Obviously, Andy's out of the room for this. Yeah. So Barney's just like, hey, Otis, you want to you learn how to do a quick draw? And why would I want to learn how to do a quick draw? Barney's like, no, come on, it'll be fun in case you ever want to break out of jail. Yeah. So he hands his gun to Otis, and I guess there's no worry because his gun's never loaded. Yeah. But he hands his gun to Otis, and Otis turns around and sticks in his face. Be like, be like, okay, so this is a jailbreak. Yeah, I'm breaking out now. He points the gun at Barney, and Barney goes, oh, you need to take this seriously, and he just pulls the gun back. And Otis has the line of, see, even if I wanted to break out of jail, you wouldn't let me. Right, because yeah. Otis doesn't want to leave jail. He likes it there. Mm. Um. It's, so then yeah. the next so 20 yeah. goddamn minutes are just Opie wandering. Opie, like, see, Opie has a little adventure, and the, kind of the weird thing about it, cue music background, uh, the entire time this is happening, this weird video game music is happening. It kind of sounds like Kingdom Hearts crossed with like one did. of the small towns in Legend of Zelda. Yeah. But, yeah. he's like, but nothing's happening. He just kicks a can for a little while. And he continues to kick that can. And then, then he, like, wanders in. He, he finds looks a, at a fucking tree. Yeah. It's the next... It goes on forever and nothing happens. So he the, finds an abandoned mine. And yeah. he thinks something interesting is going to happen. He, pers- he goes up to the mine and he's like, I'm going to climb in this fucking mine. And then he tries to pull a board off. And in the process of pulling a board off... The mine collapses. Does it? Like, like I feel like... A, oh, rock, oh, a rock falls and dust happens. 
Yeah, all we see is like some dust come down, and then he kind of leaves, and that's it. And then he like, bounces. Like they they introduce the mine as like a potentially dangerous thing that he could get into. The music gets very sinister at the mine. Like, oh, Opie's gonna go into this mine, and then nothing happens, and then he just leaves. Yeah. And the only trouble he gets into is he finds some kid who I guess is selling apples. And he... I don't really understand what happens in this. <laughs> it, it, it feels like Opie. he trades that can that he's kicking for some apples. Opie... Yeah, no. Uh, so op, the, all these scenes, just the Legend of Zelda music is playing over them. He, he walks up to a kid that's taller. They look at each other. They both have the same haircut. They talk for a second. And the kid is like, here are apples. And Opie then eats the apples. He just sits on the back of a truck eating apples for hours. And this is going to be treated as like, Opie, what have you done? You ate apples with a strange tall boy? Until he gets a stomachache. That's it. And then he gets in the back of a truck and he falls asleep in the back of the truck. And a guy gets out of the house, hops in the truck, drives away. That's it. Yeah, that's... He eats apples until his stomach hurts, and he falls asleep in a truck. He he almost gets in a mine. He eats apples with a tall boy. He kicks a can. He gets in a truck. He falls asleep truck. He is accidentally kidnapped, but even that's not that interesting. Yeah, no, like, Ampy comp, like, rolls up to Andy and is like, Your son's missing! He hasn't come in for dinner! And Andy is like, oh, shit, well, this is pretty bad, but I'm gonna remain calm. And then, as a result... They just talk for a while. Man, this it's a good thing these episodes were together because this... Just this, us talking about this, this is going to be like... I'm so bored right maybe now. Maybe 15 fucking minutes. <laughs> I'm bored of this. Okay, so, alright, let's just fucking move. They find Opie, someone calls Andy, they grab him, and then the big thing is, like, they decide to let Opie come back to the jail. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not, not when Otis is there, I guess. And, uh, like, they, they come up with, like, some kind of balance. They make a compromise. They, uh, basically, the compromise is Barney is gonna stop doing crazy bullshit at, yeah. at Andy's son. Which, honestly, should have been the beginning of the only thing. Because seeing Otis drunk wasn't messing Opie up. Hearing stories while in the jail wasn't messing Opie up. Being in the jail wasn't messing Opie up. Because there's no, nothing ever happens there. Because it's fucking Mayberry. Literally the only thing causing problems was Barney having boundary issues with a child. Which, of course it fucking was. Like, him just arming... Like, they really needed to put some boundaries on this because, like, within, like, a year, Barney'd be like, Well, you're slightly older. Here's a shotgun. Right. Just hold this. It's loaded. The stinger of this episode is that Opie comes to the jail to hear... Andy tell him the story of the Knights of the Round Table. And then Andy and Barney get into an argument over which Knight of the Round Table is the bravest knight, Sir Lancelot or Sir Gawain. And they have this argument for about three minutes. And then Opie says, this is dumb as hell. Yeah, I'm bound. (laughs) Opie shares our sentiment of just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. You know, I'm honestly impressed with you for remembering the stinger. I watched this episode a couple of times to like prepare. Uh, Season over! Goodbye, everybody! See you in the fall! It's supposed to be fucking wholesome, and it's just so dull. It's so boring. It's just Opie. Like, okay, I think so... that's the fastest we've ever gotten through an episode. What was that, like, ten minutes? <laughs> it's just because, like... Because, like, it wasn't even boring enough for us to be angry about. Do we even want to do ratings? Ratings uh, for this episode. One to both. I didn't like this episode, and it also didn't, like, cross any, like, lines. Uh, Barney armed a child. Barney gave, but not, like... Barney like gave a kid handcuff. It's it. nothing. One, one, one. Yeah, no, yeah one and one. One V, one me. Alright. Right. <laughs> Shut up, Barney. <laughs> okay, uh, so, I, I'm, I'm sorry that the season ended like that, folks. Uh, I think we're gonna do one more episode, maybe. No, I'm, I'm, I, that's, that's the season ender, folks. We, we can't end the season on this. So we're going to be back next week for something. We haven't decided yet, but we're going to do one more episode this season. Then we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a couple of weeks for season two. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, though, if you want to send us letters, uh, or have any questions or th- fan theories or want to talk to us about the Andy Griffith show, you can get at us, uh, breakingmayberry at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at breakmayberry. One thing I want to do next season, if you listen to the show and you're a musician, send us a 
a recording of you playing the Andy Griffith Show theme on your instrument of choice. I want to hear some bagpipe, Andy Griffith. Oh, hell yeah. Give yes. me like a fucking melodeon or whatever. Whatever you play, give me an Andy Griffith theme and we'll use it on the show. Yeah, we So will. that's what we're going to ask for. Uh, again, you know how to get at us. I am on the internet at online. I am at Schneid Remarks. That is S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds, two Ds. Ron Howard is uh, online. He is at real Ron Howard. All right, tweet at Ron Howard and say, Hey, holy shit, I just found out you used to be a child star. I don't know if that'll make him happy or extremely upset, but our our, our, our campaign against Ron Howard's sanity continues. All right, so other than that, that's it. Remember, we are on Patreon. You can be just like Ingrid and give us money to control our lives. Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. We'll dance for nickels. Uh, other than that, we'll be back for one more episode, and then we're going to take a break, but we'll still see y'all down at the fishing hole. Y'all come back now. <laughs> Controller from Thomas the Tank Engine was basically Mussolini because he made the he made the trains run on on time, time. and also he dressed like Mussolini. Huh? Yeah. I I don't have a follow up thing on that. Just someone pointed it out. Super fucking weird. There's nowhere for me to go with this. No, I don't. Yeah, just add. Yeah, keep that in.